And welcome to the Afternoon Tune. I'm your host, Josh, and I got a special guest with me today that is going to be someone I'm going to be interviewing, somebody I'm very excited to have on. It is Aaron Baker, uh, animator for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, one of the biggest animated movies out right now. Um, if you haven't seen it, what the hell are you doing? It's one of the best ones uh, out right now. How's it going there, Aaron? Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you. Yourself? Uh, pretty good. Um, so just going to ask you, you know, we're going to get into some you know, generic questions, of course, you know, the standard, you know, how you got into the industry, what inspired you, all that stuff, and get into kind of further stuff about just the movie of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Uh, I'm a big fan of it. Uh, my co-host, uh, who couldn't be here, my, my two co-hosts, they couldn't be here, but they're big fans of it. Um, I was a big fan of the first one, uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and I think this one is about just on par uh, and everything like that, so I, I'm definitely a big fan of it. Um, so yeah, um, if you want to tell people about yourself, uh, you know, about your history, uh, working in animation, everything like that? Sure. Uh, yeah, so I've been an animator for nearly eight years now. Um, I started off uh, in London uh, doing children's TV shows for a few years, um, then slowly moved into Netflix content, uh, slowly moved my way up into film, uh, did some short films and one feature film in collaboration with uh, DreamWorks. And then uh, landed the gig at Sony uh, with a test that I did as a personal project. Mm. Very nice. Um, and you're working at, uh, right now, uh, Moon Studios, right? Which is a video game publisher. So you're working on video games right now. Uh, how much of that is a difference between working on films, uh, working on video games? How, how much of a difference is that? Yeah, it's, there's a fair difference. Um, I think on a the day-to-day -day practice is still quite similar. Um, but in terms of having to implement things into the game, it's a much smaller studio than some places I've worked in the past. And so we're a lot more collaborative and we're a lot more hands-on um, and practical with everything that we do. Um, we have to take a lot more initiative. Um, there's other things like different uh, fundamentals that come in when we're, how a how an audience interacts with a game versus a TV or film. And so there's those challenges as well. But it's a really fun learning curve, and I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah. So before Moon Studios, you worked with Jellyfish and Blue Zoom Animation. Um, and then some of the kind of achievements there were Spirit Untamed and How to Train Your Dragon Homecoming were some of the uh, highlights there that you did that. Um, yeah. So I know uh, you said uh, I was looking up about that you were a graduate of NCCAA. Uh, you're a graduate there. And then now you kind of do more animation mentoring. Um, so you're so good you can do and you can teach, uh, basically, I guess, <laughs> at the same time. Um, mentoring, how is that for you? Because you even have, I was seeing you had your own YouTube channel where you're you know, breaking down, which I found very fascinating. You're breaking down a lot of different animation scenes. Um, how is that, uh, just doing that, like breaking all that kind of stuff down? Yeah, um, it's a really interesting challenge. Um, it all kind of stimulated from uh, wanting to um, communicate with the community more and help uh, those aspiring to be animators have all of the knowledge they need, uh, which I felt was quite limited when I was studying. Um, and I wanted to make sure that people were going into the industry with all of the skill set that they need and they don't have to learn as much on the job. 
Um, but yeah, I started out in social media content. Um, I also did private mentoring on the side with just either colleagues who were still kind of going through uh, like their skill set from like junior roles, trying to learn a bit more um, to some students, and then uh, trying to find something of a little bit more stability. I actually got the Giga Animation Mentor, which is a an American online school and. Uh, one of my old supervisors that I worked with at Jellyfish had been a mentor there for like the last 10 years, one of their big alumni mentors, and gave me a recommendation. And I've been working there for about a year and a half now. Nice. Well, actually, I just I just noticed uh, the behind you. Is that the dragon from How to Train Your Dragon right behind you? This? Uh, um, this is this here or something else. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this that, is Ori. Yeah, right. uh, this is oh, from... Okay. Uh, it's the other video game that Moon Studios have made in the past. Oh, okay. Very nice. Okay. I can see the resemblance um, there. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit there. Um, so let's get into uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse a little bit. Um, like that, like I said, it's it's definitely one of my favorite animated movies of the year. Um, how did you feel kind of working on the project? Um, there were some reports that came out that there was a lot of heavy crunch uh, involved with this. Uh, mm -hmm. And I actually talking to another animator from another animated movie that came out this year, Team and Team Mute Mayhem. And they said that, you know, he was the animation director and he said the environment was really good. And, you know, if people had to work longer, they could, but they were, you know, adequately taken care of. Um, so what, what's kind of your response to, you know, just working on uh, this film and, you know, was there a lot of crunch and did you feel a lot of pressure? Um, just to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was an incredible experience. Um, I hadn't ever worked on something of that high uh, status before. Um, so it I definitely came in with, um, I think, a lot of pressure from myself. Um, I was very lucky to join the production very early. So when I joined back in, I believe it was April of 2021, um, there weren't many people on the team, which meant that I could kind of get my feet grounded a little a little more comfortably. Um, and it was a bit more of, we weren't just going straight in and just like animating straight away. I got to kind of help develop things, uh, which was re a really incredible opportunity, um, something beyond anything I could have imagined. Um, and then as the team started to build up, it definitely did get slightly more intense. Um, there was ups and downs in the production where we would be going full, like straight, like straight to the wall, just trying to get as much content out. And then it would be instant pause where there'd be rewrites and then we'd be uh, having to like take steps back and then try and rework some things. So there was some, it was definitely an interesting production in that sense. Um, in terms of the ethic with Sony, I think that like it's always been their intention whenever we did do a weekend or here or there, um, they only ever really asked they only would they would only ask us and it wouldn't be like a mandatory um at least for like the the majority portion of the production um so i did do the odd weekend here or there but again it was like i volunteered to do so it wasn't compulsory um i believe near the end i didn't stay for the entire production um but i was i i'd heard from you know friends um who are who are my colleagues that there were some people who did stay uh, for the longer part of the end of the production and they would be working a lot, a lot longer hours. Um, so I think they always tried to avoid crunch as much as possible, but sometimes just to get it over the line, 
they always have to take that last leap just to really get it to completion. But I think they try to avoid it. Yeah. Was it a fun environment, though? Did you have a great time working with other animators creating this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was very overwhelming um, and uh, very intimidating. I'd never worked with such a skilled team before. And there were animators who I had been you know, following their work for years. And then we all kind of come together. And then you feel like, you know, you feel like that new trainee coming in who's like really aspiring in awe of all of the artists around you. So it was an incredible experience in that sense. The whole team was great. There was a really nice uh, atmosphere when we all got together. The only thing that made it tricky, of course, was this was still during COVID-19. Um, and I believe I actually joined, I moved over to Vancouver to work for Sony when it was all still in lockdown. So there was a little bit, there was quite a portion of time where we were all working from home. But then as time went on, they started to like let up um, all of those restrictions and more and more people started to go into the office. And by the end, most of the team was inside uh, the office, which was amazing. Um, I wish I had been there for the full production so I could have felt the full force of the team and, you know, really got to know everyone in a closer, a closer way. Hmm. You speak about a lot of people staying on longer. Um, and with this movie, I mean, like I said, the detail on it is amazing. Um, you know, so many sections of this movie that took, I know, such a long time to animate. Like, even with uh, the character uh, Spider-Punk, I mean, just him alone, I mean, took such a long time to do it right. with all his different anime and all kind of different animation styles. Um, with all these different, and also even with the movie now, it's out on streaming, there's all these different versions of the film as well. Right. Um, so, I, I mean, uh, how many times have you actually have you seen uh, across the Spider-Verse since you've since you finished the project. Right. I, I saw it once in IMAX when it came out initially, and then I saw it another time in theaters, um, and they were two different versions of the movie as well. There were slightly different changes. Okay. And do you think that kind of, you know, uh, what do you attribute to all these different versions of the movie? And, and I mean, do you find something just kind of unique about all the different versions uh, of the film? Um, do you think that kind of attributes to like a lot of people staying longer and everything like that? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think naturally what happens with in any feature production um, is there's a lot of trial and error where you're you experiment and you're trying one idea, then they may need to revise that. They come up with something different. They may add a shot in. They may tweak a shot or maybe change the timing or something. So something that could have been initially one second could now be ten seconds. And something that's now 10 seconds could be one. So there's a lot of editing that goes around in um, in any given shot. And there's also a lot of exploration. So there can be occasions where we have an idea. It's working really well. And we'll pretty much take that to completion. And then nearer the end, they say, actually, this might work better. And so then we get we go back to that shot. We're reassigned to that shot. And we would go back in and change it. But then what happens is, and it's just the nature of how uh, Chris and Phil work, is because there are so many revisions, like we're we're still working very quickly, but also there are so because you're experimenting and exploring different ideas, there's lots of different versions of the same shots. And I imagine what happened in this scenario, which this happens in other films as well, is they will cater the edits depending on where that a version of the film is being aired. 
Um, and so maybe they made, I don't know exactly the intention behind those changes and why there are different versions, but I get the impression it's most likely because they're trying to cater it more to the cultures that that place is being at, that, that version of the film is being at. Um, but yeah, it is really interesting. I remember one particular shot um, where it was one of the, it was Miguel's hologram. I've forgotten her name now. Um, but uh, oh, so, wasn't it uh, Lily? I think right, Lila, uh, uh, Lila. Okay, Lyla. yeah. So yeah. Um, one, the animator Soul. Uh, I think he ended up animating that shot in like five or six different ways. Just as there was again, nothing had really been established for this character at this point. So some some characters we spend a lot of time developing, and then other times there are ones that get not as much priority. So sometimes what will happen is you're still experimenting and trying different things as you're midway through production and actually doing production shots with those, which I believe is actually what also happened with Spider-Punk. Um, so some of the initial animated shots established the style for every other shot uh, preceding that. Um, and I remember with that with the Lila shots, the first time you introduced to her in the Guggenheim, um, she, I think that shot was animated about five or six different ways. And it was interesting seeing when I, that, though, that sequence in particular watching that in the theaters and seeing that there were different versions of that shot uh like edited in different ways and different versions of it where some were added some were not um so that was really interesting um but it's interesting also seeing online how people have managed to point out where those changes in the edits are because there are so many that i didn't even notice when i was watching it a second time mm. And so you, you know, working on this movie, what would you say is probably one of the most challenging uh, kind of scenes? I know that the chase scene uh, where all the Spider-Man were chasing Miles, <laughs> that took, what, like over a year or, or two to, to do that? Just that one? Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, in terms of, it, I, I don't want to speak on behalf of uh, others um, in the sense that there were, there were definitely some very complex scenes, um, which... Some I did take part in, others I didn't. And so I don't really want to say that uh, one was more complex than another in that sense when I didn't contribute to it, because it's hard to get the full, like the first hand experience in that sense. But I would say that, uh, yeah, absolutely, the Spider Headquarters um, is an incredibly complex shot. There's so many characters involved, and there'll be a whole crowd department as well working with the animators uh, to try and populate those environments. Um, but there are so many complex scenes. I mean, there's even the barbecue sequence where you have so many characters all on a roof terrace and they're all very congested. And so that's going to be very difficult to both stage and animate so many characters in such a confined space. Um, but even like just down to performances, that each uh, type of sequence has different challenges, um, even when it doesn't look necessarily so complex when you have subtle acting. Sometimes those choices make such a big difference that they have their own different challenge because it's about making the right choice rather than how can I make this like very dynamic and uh, like energetic in say an action sequence. Um, so each one definitely came with their own challenges. I imagine probably some of the more challenging sequences is where you would have several different uh, the main spider character, like different Spider-Man characters all on screen at the same time, where they're all in various styles and trying to coordinate each character so that it doesn't, not one feels disconnected from another. Um, 
So I, I imagine those shots were particularly difficult. Yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely a lot kind of going on in this. Um, and uh, did you see Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse before you worked on Across the Spider-Verse? You already had that? Yeah, okay. I'm a massive fan. <laughs> okay, massive fan there. And I know you didn't work on Into the Spider-Verse, but I wonder, were there people on the Across the Spider-Verse team that you talked to that also worked on Into the Spider-Verse? And did they compare their experiences of like, maybe this is more challenging, this movie? Because it seems like, I mean, this is pretty much bigger it seems like than the first one they're doing a lot more ambitious things and the first one was already incredibly very ambitious um yeah. was there ever, did you ever have that conversation with anybody yeah i mean there were quite a lot of uh the team that were on uh into the spider-verse who then went on to work on a few more productions at sony or left and then returned for the sequel um and i think there was i think i there's there's they have equal levels of complexity and challenge but for different reasons because the first spider-verse they were establishing just a style for the entire movie as a whole um trying to develop uh like miles's world and then the different characters and their styles even though we don't go to different worlds themselves and so i think initially making establishing that style um and the overall aesthetic and look of the movie took many 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 years and then once they felt like they had achieved that by the end, the next challenge for the sequel was, okay, we've laid the foundations, but now how do we create five different versions of that, but also make it feel like it's cohesive in one movie at the same time? Um, yeah. So I think they definitely have, they definitely have uh, equal amounts of challenges, but in different ways. Yeah. And outside of maybe Miles as well, what, what do you think is kind of the best-looking world that we kind of see? I, I think Gwen's kind of the watercolor kind of painting there is very good. What, what's kind of some of your favorite worlds that we go to here? Yeah, they, they're they all so different. Um, I think for me personally, I mean, I also do watercolor painting as a hobby, so I think I definitely have some bias towards Gwen's world, but I think also because, because the environment's synchronize with the emotions of how the characters are feeling and it becomes more abstract when they get more internal in their thoughts and i really like that aspect of gwen's world um versus uh, something like mumbatton which again it's just so lush in its environments and it's, it feels really dynamic and tactile it feels hand-drawn um which is really interesting and you've got like the futurism in uh miguel's world which is Again, I love all of that. I love everything that's kind of like based on like the idea of like a 1950s future. And it's all based on like different paintings. Um, one world that we don't get to see enough of in the movie, which hopefully we'll see a bit more of in the third movie is um, Wiles's world. And that's something that they did a lot of exploration with and they did loads of uh, concept art and there was lots of different uh, pieces of comics that they were referencing and it had such, a, such an incredible art style. And I really wanted to see more of that. So from what we've seen so far, that that one of one of those worlds is actually the most exciting to me. But in terms of what we see the most like ones that we see a little bit more of, I think I'd pick Gwen's. Yeah. Are you gonna be back for Beyond the Spider-Verse? I would love to be. Uh it's difficult with my uh situation with my partner and I, uh coming from the UK. Um, it was quite difficult for us moving out there and going from a 
never having moved country before to then all of very big change around us, especially during COVID-19. So if we were to go back, um, it would definitely be like we've had, we did have a learning curve there. But I think for the time being, I think we're just quite comfortable is there was a lot of pressure in moving country. So I would love to work on the movie, but the the catch to that is having to relocate again. Mm, okay. And, you know, with, you know, with a movie like this, he's saying having all these different worlds, having all these different Spider-Mans, um, you know, are you a fan of like the Spider-Man comics at all uh, or any of the lore? Okay. Yeah, a little. Um, I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself like an avid like comic book reader. Um, I do collect the odd like graphic novel um, and I've, I have read some uh, comics. I do read a lot of manga. I'm quite big into anime. Um, but yeah, in terms of, uh, there were a lot of people on production who were like really big Spider-Man fans and they had read many of the comics, they understood the lore and some of the backstories behind the characters that we were developing. Um, but I wouldn't consider myself someone who like actively reads a lot of comics. Yeah, I don't want to divert too much, but you know, you said you watch an anime, reading manga. Wait, what are you uh, watching right now? What are, what are you? Uh, yeah, um, I'm kind of going through a like I'm I'm revisiting a lot of the '90s animes at the moment, um, and so I'm for the first time I'm actually watching uh, Evangelion, uh, which is obviously a really famous one that I people talk about, and I just never never got around to watching. So yeah, I'm currently watching that. Um, I also am really enjoying ReZero, uh, which is a really fun one. It's very uh, chaotic in its storyline. You you never you're always in the edge of your seat, so that one's quite fun. Yeah. Speaking of yeah, I was uh, doing some '90s anime going back. Um, we looked at Trigun. I don't know if you know Trigun, mm -hmm. uh, but we did that one, and then might go back and watch uh, rewatch Yu Yu Hakusho. Might go back and rewatch oh, yeah. that. Very nice. classic one. Um, so yeah, so I asked you about uh, you know if the animes are big fans of Spider Man because you have all these different Spider Man. Were they like, you know, what was kind of the process of you know the Spider Man that we want to you know that was like okay we get to see more of and less of and people that get a little bit more shine because for instance like we see the Spider Man from Spectacular Spider Man we get you know a little bit more of him and he gets the actual dialogue and then we see the Spider Man from the PS4 game so what was kind of that decision like to give some Spider-Man more of a, of a shine than other Spider-Man and, you know, as far as including all these other different spider characters, what was right. kind of that kind of going on? Like, what, what was that? Process? Yeah. I, I wish I had a more indefinite answer to that. Um, it's such a huge production. There are so many different people con contributing to it. Um, in terms of the responsibilities that we have, we don't really get too much input in overseeing those things. Um, as animators, um, but we they'd be developing a lot of assets, um, and I'm sure in the more amongst the directors, they would be establishing. Okay, we definitely want to feature this person. I'm sure this also would go with um, some of the executives at Sony as well. Would be making some of those decisions as to how many we're referencing um, and where we're placing those in priority, so that you know we're trying to lend it to the audience more. Um, but yeah, honestly, I wish I did have a more indefinite answer as to why they may put one in front of another, for instance. Um, but they did also develop a lot of, uh, spider characters that also weren't invented in any comics that are kind of like a more, uh, they might made like random amalgamations of different ones as well to populate the environment. So 
yeah, honestly, I wish I could give you a clearer answer for that one. <laughs> oh, no worries. That's a pretty, yeah, it's a pretty big question there. Um, with that, I, I know that, uh, you know, I, I saw on your, your Twitter that you had a ghost in the shell tattoo and you're a big yes. fan of anime. Um, so is that what kind of got you into animation, like watching anime and that kind of like led you into the career? Like, this is what I want to do for a career? Uh, slightly. I mean, I, when I first started, I, I'd always, I mean, the thing that made me aspire to be an animator was watching lots of cartoons when I was a child. I grew up in the nineties, so there was like replaying a lot of Tom and Jerry. Um, I was watching like things like SpongeBob, obviously the Pixar movies were coming out as well at that time. That's when it was like at its really at its highest. Um, and obviously a lot of Disney movies. So that's like during the Renaissance. So yeah, there was huge, like, animation was just everywhere. And so I think I just naturally attracted to it. And I also played a lot of video games. And I think video games was the part that initially kind of led me down this path where I wanted to initially start out as a, a video game developer. And then I think at the time when I was learning, I felt like there were some restrictions in what video games could do. So then I, um, I ended up... Uh, going more down, aspiring to go into film because that's where when I was looking at the like animated films that were coming out at the time, they felt like there was so much more nuance and detail um, that they were able to convey at the time. So I started going pursuing that path, and I, I I just fell into it. I I found I found a real passion for it, and it's only now that I've really found an opportunity that I felt that I felt lended well to what I wanted to have if I were to move into games. Um, but yeah, in terms of anime, I got into it fairly late. I mean, there were things, there were more like the Western animes, uh, you could say things like Pokemon and that kind of stuff was when I was growing up, but it was more when I got to around 18, that I discovered things like Death Notes. That was my first gateway into anime. And then, um, on my 18th birthday, my granddad bought me, um, a, like a special edition, uh, VHS set, like a vintage VHS set. VHS set of Akira and then ah, okay. um, that's when I really really fell into that that's when I started discovering things like Ghost in the Shell uh, which is still today one of my favorite animes um, and yeah going down that path as well then I recently in the last like five years discovered um, things like uh, Paprika and Perfect Blue um, and those movies, and I'm a huge, huge fan of those. I've also got a perfect blue tattoo. <laughs> oh, okay. Very, very nice. And uh, video game-wise, I mean, since you're into that, what are you playing right now? What are you in? Right. Um, I've kind of, again, I'm going through a bit of a nostalgia trip right now. So, I mean, in terms of more modern games, I recently played Star Wars uh, Jedi Survivor, which I really enjoyed. Um but recently, I've been going back to my nostalgia days, and I never grew up. I play, I grew up playing Ratchet and Clank, uh, that sort of thing, when I was like in my preteens, and I never got around to playing Jack and Daxter. So I recently started playing that. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's difficult to think of what other games. I, I play a lot of like online multiplayer games, um, but I think the ones that I'm most attracted to are things like uh, story-driven, like action RPGs, that kind of thing um like action adventure kind of games so like ratchet and clank is still up there even though they're even some of the oldest ones are still some of my favorites okay all right very very nice um you spoke about you know growing up watching a lot of animation uh that getting into it and and that kind of inspiring you 
Um, with Spider-Verse, I mean, what would you say that movie and then this sequel has on the industry of animation? Because I think after the first Spider-Verse, you saw other things kind of, you know, really try to go for that style, like Puss in Boots, which was really great, uh, which was right. a really great animated movie that came out. I think it was last year uh, mm-hmm. that that movie came out, uh, which I really liked a lot. And then, you know, TM and Team Mutant Mayhem also kind of has a very similar style of that. What kind of, you know, trend do you see now in animation after Spider-Verse has come out? And the impact yeah, absolutely. on the industry. Yeah, it's been huge. I mean, I think there's always been this desire, even with 3D animation, where when it was initially established, established 3D animation back in like the early 2000s, late 90s, um, there was a look that was naturally produced by 3D rendering uh, that came out of the programs that were made through uh, CG and animated movies. And I think because of the creative limitations, that were around at the time and really what they were aiming for at that time was for trying to achieve something that's more tangible and more real and then since i think people in like indulged in that goal so much that it became stale after a point and it started to i think for a lot of artists in the industry it started to become this uh desire to actually like go back to its roots and try and create something more handcrafted and more artistically driven with more interpretation involved. And I think it was things like um, Spider-Verse and even before that you had things like Peanuts where they readapted, um, you know, Snoopy on the screen at Blue Sky and they were trying to keep, train, try and make that look more like a 2D sketch. Um, yeah. And I, I think Comic it's true. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. and so I think it's, and it's the same, exactly the same thing with Spider-Verse. I think the thing that really elevated the industry was just the level of detail and the amount of experimentation, uh, that went into Spider-Verse to try and make it really stand out on pop on screen, but still kind of keep it at its core close to its roots, which is in comic books. Um, and that became, I think there was so much tech that was involved in developing that aesthetic that was then broadcasted to the industry that then it it made that idea a little bit more accessible for other studios to be like oh actually this is a quite functional way that we can experiment with this so let's take that foundation build on it and try and take it in our own direction so at the moment i think there is this trend of um taking what initially would be a more stale generic 3d render and then trying to produce it in a way that actually looks a bit more handcrafted as though it was hand drawn or painted whatever it might be um and i think that's not even i hope that's not even going to be a trend per se i hope that's just going to be a a new medium where you're mixing the like an aesthetic of something that's slightly more generated versus something that's more handcrafted and trying to blend uh, try and mix those two together. And hopefully that's just a technique that's going to be something that other animation studios can use for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Speaking of, you know, positive animation trends, do you notice any negative animation trends kind of going on? A lot of, a lot of just people kind of copying off each other and it's kind of dragging the industry down. Uh, do you, do you notice any stuff like that? I suppose so. There are moments where, I mean, for instance, there are a lot of comparisons to Into the Spider-Verse when uh, people see something that's come out. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, I can see why you 
there's sometimes people make that connection and assume that it's being copied. And I don't I don't agree with that necessarily. However, I also would agree with the argument that you could take that in an entirely new direction and try and make it something that literally, even if you're using similar techniques, stands out as something entirely different on screen. Um, so I do feel like in terms of this new wave, there is, I, I do hope that there is still enough exploration into really trying to make that its own aesthetic and its own art direction. Um, so much so that you can't compare it to something else. That's what I'd hoped that we can have. Um, but I don't see too many other negative um, negative uh, uh, trends. I guess the only thing that you could really argue, and it's something that's kind of a big trend at the moment, is the use of AI. Um, and I don't necessarily agree with the idea of prompting um, AI to generate art for you. I think it can be a useful tool um, where you can give it direction based on your own artwork that you create to give you inspiration. But I wouldn't agree necessarily with, I mean, it's just a different format. It depends what your audience is looking for, right? I'm sure there will be a market out there for completely AI-generated artwork. Um, but I think there's, I think a lot of people will resonate more with artists who portrayed that through their own craft rather than you know prompting something to make it for them. Mm. That's a great point that you bring about AI because I did not bring that up with another animator I was talking to. That's a great uh, point you bring up with AI and how animators kind of feel about that and, and whether it's kind of replacing them. And mm -hmm. I, I should have brought that up uh, when I was having that discussion about the strikes <laughs> that have kind of been ongoing uh, right now. You know, writer yeah. strike, actor strike, uh, I, Marvel VFX. Um, th those people also striked as well. Um, you know, you're in the video game industry right now. I know there's always heavy criticism with the video game industry and the amount of time that is when it, when you talk about crunch. I think there's even extreme more crunch when it comes yeah. to video games and everything like <laughs> that. Um, how do how do you feel like that? How do you think you know it could be kind of better in an industry like in video games or just an industry like in uh you know uh, movies with animation? How do you feel like it can be better? And do you feel like and then get your kind of general opinion on strikes or anything like that? Um, kind of what's going on there. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, it's obviously it's hard to just say here's the solution. Um, but I think when it term, when it comes to crunch, I think a lot of that comes from pressures to release uh, your content for the time that it's intended. And sometimes it's hard, to, you know, especially in video games. I think the reason there is more crunch is because games take so long to develop. Like an average turnover for a movie can usually be anywhere between two to maximum four years, sometimes five, depending on like how, how big a scale and budget it is. Um, but I'd say the average like AAA game can take anywhere between like four to six years. And mm. because it's such a built up thing, it's so hard to project where that's, you know, how far along you're going to be at any given time. And there's certain markers that you need to hit along that production. And there's always going to be things that you can't foresee that really maybe stagnate the production. Um, and so I think it's, it is difficult to, um, you know, there's only so much that you can project, but I think it's trying to make the as 
smart decision as you can earlier and really being um what's the right word like really trying to be proactive when you can like and trying to foresee those problems as early as possible because in my experience not just in games but in film sometimes i notice that there are things which can be they are alarmed but they get pushed back and they continue to get pushed back to the point where it's like oh actually we forgot about this now we need to start like implementing this and then it's just like go 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 and you just run out of time so then you end up crunching and so i think it's it's always within every studio's intention to try to avoid those things it's just how proactive and tactile you can be um to try and prevent those things from happening as early as possible um but yeah, it is it is an interesting one. I I don't have the ultimate answer. <laughs> yeah, is that a big fear you think amongst animators, people like that, VFX people? You think uh, talking to, have you know you talked with other animators about AI and and AI possibly replacing a lot of animators? Yeah, I mean it's it's something that gets brought up relatively often. Um, I think everyone has a slightly different opinion on it, but yeah, I think some people see its potential and that's what scares them rather than the like in like the uh the current state of how it's being developed um because you know new content will be come out and they'll say hey we're able to do this with ai now and then people start freaking out again um and i think for me i mean i've watched so many podcasts and with like some of the developers who like would originate ai and that sort of thing and it is really fascinating and one thing that I think I've taken away from that is that it's it's going to be it's it's going to come. We need to embrace it, but we also need to teach it. Um, you know, we need to teach it right from wrong, and we need to be able to. <laughs> it's true, because okay. you know, if you get into uh, you know wrong hands, then right. it you know you've just got to. I think they said to treat it like a child, right? You know, you've got to teach it. Um, and then because naturally it's going to learn a lot faster than we are. So I think, yeah, when it comes to replacing animators, I don't I think it's going to just be its completely own format. Like, I think there is going to be a, a way that AI can generate animated content like we can, but it's just going to be depending on what your market is looking for. If they're okay with seeing something generated that way, then and it doesn't you know they can still resonate with it then i'm sure that's not going to be a problem but i i believe i hope <laughs> that there's still going to be um a market out there where people really want to see something that's generated you know by people something that they can resonate with that's you know someone's coming from their own experiences yeah yeah um yeah because i i mean I, I really love, I mean, like you can just feel the love that's kind of put into something like this with, you know, across the Spider-Verse, just the way it looks, all the different, you know, uh, tones and everything like that with it, all these different worlds. You can just feel that watching it. And the same thing with Mutant Mayhem. That's what I remarked about that movie as well, about the animation of the style of it, people just working and drawing and having fun doing so. And you can just get that sense with that. And, and other movies like, you know, Puss in Boots as well, as I mentioned before, you can just yeah. feel that labor of love that's on those projects um, that, that really is great to to, to kind of see um so i hope i hope it doesn't um i know there was the big thing with ai where they did it with secret invasion the intro i don't know if you've ever seen secret invasion but it's the new disney plus Marvel yeah show. i saw the intro mm -hmm. the intro and what's it like 
a lot of people call that intro kind of sucks. So I don't know. I mean, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't want to get you in trouble with any Marvel people at all. But yeah, a lot of people thought that intro kind of sucked there. It kind of looked kind of strange. But yeah, so you could just tell the off kind of nature of sometimes a lot of things with a lot yeah. of, kind of the AI stuff. And and I, I kind of laughed a bit there because it kind of like the way you were talking about it was like, I don't know if you've seen the new Mission Impossible movie. I don't know if you I haven't it. yet. No. Um, the main villain of it is AI. It's it's called like the entity and everything like that. So it's like okay. the big bad of it. So it kind of just reminded me a lot of that. You talking <laughs> about it. It just kind of reminded me a little bit of that. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. And so what shots did you do for Across the Spider-Verse? Did you, uh, did you do Gwen's hero shot? Like at the kind of towards the end of the movie? Um, you, did you do that shot? I did a I did do one of the more like iconic hero, heroic moments of Gwen. It was just after Guggenheim when she um first reveals herself and exposes herself to her father as being a spider spider woman. Um and it's just before she goes into the portal where she's contemplating and processing everything that's just happened, but goes decides to go down this path and still be spider woman after everything that's happened. Um, so there's a shot there which I did, um, which was definitely one of the highlights. Um, it was incredible opportunity uh, because it's so nuanced and it's so close up on her face. So it's really trying to get into the subtleties and her internal thoughts as well, which is something as animators we always try to really connect with. Um, uh, otherwise, I did uh, a couple of shots in the counselors meeting uh, with miles and his parents when they're talking to the uh school counselor um mm. and she's trying to decide what's the right path for his future um which was good fun uh it was quite it was there was some people in my personal life which i felt actually were quite close to um the counselor in the in the movie and so i actually took a bit of inspiration from that person and tried to put it in to those shots which is quite fun, and I've told the person about that. And they found it quite amusing. <laughs> they oh. could see the they could see the resemblance. Um, but otherwise, whatever shots did they do, um, I did do one shot. It wasn't in the movie, but it was in the trailer, um, which is Miles running down the corridor um, with his school bag on, um, which I think you showed earlier. Um, yep. What else did I do? Uh, I did a shot of. Gwen, when she's fighting the vulture in the Guggenheim, um, and she lands on him and then like thwips his wings and then like tugs them to steer him. Um, mm. I did one of the first shots that I did on production, which was really fun, was um, when Spot is trying to, he's in the bodega and he's trying to steal the ATM. And there's a moment where the ATM drops through the floor and then it pops out into the street and there's like a businessman with his briefcase and like the papers go in the air and he's like, Hey, what just happened? Kind of thing. And then it like pans back and you see him trying to cram it into the floor. Um, which is quite a fun one. I, I like doing comedy, uh, in animation. It's always satisfying and also really fun to animate. So that was a, that was a really fun one. Um, yeah. what else did I do? Uh, I also did the last run of shots that I did before I left was um, on the roof terrace and the barbecue scene. Uh, there was a moment when uh, Rio, Rio, sorry, uh, allows Miles to go and like chase after Gwen, um, 
and there's a moment when she's he's just uh about to leave and then she's saying when you come back you're still grounded and then he's like ha 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 and then she's like yeah it's still true um <laughs> there's like a there's, there's a round of shots there which i did which was good fun um and i got some of my friends to uh film the reference for that with me uh to try and get into those characters so that was really fun doing that with them um yeah i think that's everything off the top of my head um i did do a lot of my contributions to the movie unfortunately don't get to see be seen by anyone because a lot of it was the tests that we did very early on um so even though it's an incredible opportunity there there isn't much i can show for it unfortunately um but i did get to help develop uh, miguel o'hara 2099 um we did a test of him uh like plummaging down an alleyway and then climbing up a wall and it was really an experiment to see how he would traverse a scene and then how he uses his lasers which were inspired by um by omega beam um that kind of like have these very angulars that like tie together into this like technical like kind very like technical yeah dark side from uh superman like that yes kind of like yeah exactly that kind of thing um okay. that eventually like form into one straight line so that was really fun to experiment with um and then i also got to do a performance test with the spot um which is one of the first acting tests that we did um to try and we were experimenting at the beginning with the spot on his face uh changing into different shapes so you would never quite see his you would still see his jaw slightly moving up and down but in terms of how he was emoting we we experimented with like his actual the, the portal itself changing into different angles and shapes to try and portray what he was saying which was a really fun experiment but i think at the end of the day simple was better so they ended up just going down a more simplistic path hmm. okay yeah you worked i mean you know you did work on a lot you mentioned a lot of great shots there in the movie the counselor scene i love the counselor scene um especially like the moment uh where he's talking about getting a b in spanish and then his mother you know she snaps her fingers in the the puerto rican yeah the puerto time. rican and that was really i thought that was a great touch so a little like little touches like that in it are yeah just, just really really amazing so i love a lot of that stuff absolutely um you know, um, how complicated was the live action portions of it? Like, you know, having the with the mm. portions like where Spot goes into like the Venom universe, and then um, you see Donald Glover's involved there, who's uh, <laughs> Prowler, and he's in like the Spider Man headquarters. Was that pretty difficult to do, or was that pretty easy? Is just putting an actor on the green screen, pretty much? Or yeah, I honestly, because um, there are two different site, there are two entirely different. Uh, departments to Sony Imageworks, where you have the uh, feature film department and then you have the visual effects department. Um, oh. And so I think there was probably a bit of uh, coordination uh, there. Um, I wasn't, I didn't contribute to any of the sequences where they implemented any of the live action stuff. Um, I imagine for the most part, it would have been a relatively Sim like I say simple, it, everything looks way more complex than it actually is. Um, so, oh, sorry, it looks a lot more simple than it actually is, should I say. Um, so I, I imagine, yeah, there was, there was probably some technical difficulties with trying to implement um, the live action into the CG without uh, CG characters, without it feeling too uncanny. Um, but I also feel like making it deliberately uncanny was part of the point um, because they're all from different universes. So they're not supposed to necessarily sit in the same frame and look okay. <laughs> That's kind of what makes it amusing. So uh, yeah, yeah, I honestly, I, I don't know how difficult it was. I imagine some shots were easier than others. 
Mm, okay. Um, yeah. Uh, somebody in the uh, in the chat here mentions Bagel. There again, <laughs> shout out to yeah, Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Uh, you know what I mean? That uh, stuff that just pops up on the screen. It just really it looks really awesome. Um, I loved your work on this movie. I loved a lot of the stuff you did here when you mentioned it. I uh, love this film in general. Um, I can't wait to see the third one. Um, so one more time, you want to tell people um, about what you got coming up, uh, where people can find you, where people can take your uh, courses on your YouTube channel, you learn about like more about animation. Did you want to do that before we sure. start, get out of here? Yeah, no problem. Uh, yeah, so um, I'm currently working at Moon Studios. Uh, we're releasing an early access of our game in March next year. Um, which will be really exciting. We're doing an action RPG, um, which should be, yeah, I'm sure if you can reach out on Twitter, if you follow uh, Thomas Muller, uh, the owner, he's sharing a lot of things. I don't want to disclose any things I shouldn't be, but he does speak a lot quite vocally about what we're doing. So there's lots of things to be excited about there. Um, otherwise, uh, yeah, you can uh, find any of my content on uh, Twitch. I stream somewhat regularly um, on personal projects that I'm working on, uh, which is uh, twitch.tv slash Aaron Baker. Um, I am also on Twitter a lot. I sometimes share educational content and share lots of other animation from fellow colleagues and things that I find cool online. Uh, if you want to be taught by me or other professionals in the industry, uh, then I work at a course called Animation Mentor, um, where there are over 100 uh, industry professionals, and we teach you everything from the basics all the way to the advance of animation. Mm, nice. How much does something like that cost to, to do that? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know the prices off the top of my head. I believe they're, uh, I, I believe with Animation Mentor, it's around $2,000 for one term, which Ooh. is still a lot. It's still a lot cheaper than going to college. <laughs> yeah. The, that, yeah. So, that, that is true. And you uh, probably get better educated, honestly. Yeah, that, that, that's yeah, that's a good point there. Um, yeah, that is a very good point. Um, thank you so much, Aaron Baker, for coming on. I'll make sure to follow you on Twitch uh, and all your various platforms. Um, can it help somebody that I know how to really? I know how to draw a really, really good stick figure. Can you help me out there? <laughs> I know how to draw a really, really good stick figure. Um, sure. You think you could help me out? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Um, yeah. Awesome stuff, man. Thank you very much for coming on. I'll make sure to let you know when the video goes up and put your links in the description below. Uh, thank you again. Very much. Thank you so much. Have a good one.